Good morning. I'm David Nutter. It's a pleasure to be with you again this morning. It's my truly my privilege and honor to get to share uh, under Pastor Rick's uh, ministry. Uh, he has been a blessing. He, he and his ministry and all those involved in it have been such a blessing to me and my family over the years, and I thank God for Pastor Rick. Um, I've been sharing a series of messages about God's uh, prophetic call in each of our lives, his, his uh, plan that he set out before the foundation of the world for each one of us, if we would only find it. And, uh, boy, I, I can really testify to that in my own life. Uh, you know, I had no interest in uh, the things of God. I, I grew up going to church as a kid, but no interest in the things of God. And uh, yet, uh, God was drawing me as He's drawing all people to Himself. So this message, the prophetic power of prayer as we see God uh, work in and through us to bring about His purposes in our lives and other people's lives. Um, I, I came to Christ uh, 27, 28 years ago, um, and it, it did come from reading the Word. Uh, it, it also came through three people particularly ministering to me. Uh, some of you have heard this story. My wife Susan, definitely. Uh, God used to draw me to himself. Um, my friend Jim Harper uh, is a good friend of mine, and God definitely used him uh, to draw me to Jesus. And then the author C.S. Lewis, who uh, died the same day John Kennedy was assassinated, actually, but his books live on, and he continues to speak. And I was uh, saved at the very moment that I was reading Mere Christianity, and uh and God just uh, opened the door to my heart and uh, showed me the need and uh, that I needed Him. He said, you need this. You need the salvation of the cross, the mercy of the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ and the robe of righteousness that can come only through faith in Him. Praise God for that. And uh, it was quite a moment. Uh, it, it was preceded, however, by a day of difficulty. Susan and I had been trying to have children and uh, we're unsuccessful, and I'm sure some of you have gone through that, and it was quite a trial. Susan was going in for a procedure, and they told us, uh, wow, we've got great news, you're pregnant. And uh, we were elated and went off and had lunch, and then they called us back to come back in and did some further testing and gave us the sad news that it was a tubal pregnancy, an ectopic pregnancy, and uh, 27 years ago, 28 years ago, there wasn't much they could do about that. And um, so, other than surgery, and you would lose the child, you wouldn't have a child. And so the next day, Susan was going in for surgery, and um, so she went home and called her mom, and she was uh, just grieving and weeping. And I have to tell you, you maybe can't relate to this, but... Uh, I wasn't feeling much of anything other than I was sad that she was sad, but it really didn't penetrate my heart. But God began to move that day and gave me an awareness of the hardness of my own heart and the self-centeredness. And uh, so uh, I decided to call my own parents uh, since Susan was facing surgery. And as I called my parents and spoke to my mother 
and told her our news, I began weeping from my deepest core, uh, deepest core, and uh, I began to realize that I was in desperate need of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and His mercy and forgiveness. I needed His transformation. If you've not had that experience, uh, you don't really understand what I'm talking about, but you wonder, ask God to show you your need for Him, uh, your need for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, your need for His mercy and forgiveness, your need for His gift of righteousness. He will give that to you if you ask. And if you have received it, uh, ask the Lord to, for someone to share that truth with someone to encourage someone else to ask those questions. It's the Holy Spirit who provides the increase. Amen. And as I did that, uh, I just felt the uh, presence of God flow into my heart as I opened my heart to God and and said, yes, I believe this. I I want you in my life. And uh, just the joy of the Lord flooded in. At that time, Susan and I had started a Bible study. So, Susan, my friend Jim Harper, and C.S. Lewis were instrumental in leading me to the Lord. But we had also begun a Bible study at a Methodist church called the Disciple Bible Study, which is still going on. And God used that particular program. We read about uh, three-quarters of the Bible, maybe 80% of the Bible in the course of a year. And God used that to plant the seed of His Word in my heart and began a glorious work of transformation, and his timing was perfect for it. I believe it was 1994, and there was a baseball strike, so I wasn't distracted with other stuff that fall, and uh, was amazed at how interesting the Word of God was to me as I got into the Word. And I discovered there were all sorts of prophecies in the Old Testament that as I studied and found that you could document had been spoken and written centuries before Jesus were fulfilled in his life and just the awareness of the unity of the scripture came to me in an amazing way. Well, I've shared in these messages that my habit is to be reading both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't like to get too far away from the promises of the New Covenant uh, that uh, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. It's by faith. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the Lord? By hearing with faith. It's by hearing with faith. Does He who uh, uh, provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the Lord? By hearing with faith? It's by hearing with faith. Praise God. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. Praise God for that. I worship and praise you, Lord. He is Christ in me, the hope of glory, but I'm also uh, Ephesians. I'm seated with Him in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm in Him. He's in me. Glory to God in the highest. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's available. It's in the midst of us right now. We can go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil just like Jesus because He said, the works that I do, you also will do. And greater works then these you will do because I go to the Father. It says in Mark 16, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. Uh, If they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. They'll pick up servants. They'll lay hands on the sick. Glory to God, and they will recover. That's an exciting life to be led. Amen. It's a glorious thing. 
And so, uh, I, the way I organize my reading, and please don't let me put a burden on you, but I'm always in the Psalms and the Proverbs. I, I rarely go a day without reading and worshiping God in the Psalms, but I'll read the writings, the Psalm, Proverbs, uh, Job, Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll read those. I'll read the historical books. I'll read, uh, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I'll read First and Second Samuel about Samuel and David and Saul. I'll read First and Second Kings about all the kings and the prophets, especially Elijah and Elisha. And I'll read First and Second Chronicles. It has a look back view of it, like Ezra and Nehemiah and has the Messianic prophecies for sure in view. I'll read the prophets and I divide those in sections and I'll also read the, the Gospels. I'll read the letters and, uh, you know, right now I've been reading the book of Acts and when I finish that I'll roll back around to Matthew. I'm reading the book of Revelation. I feel like the Lord, I'm about to finish it. The Lord's telling me to read it again. Uh, not to get every jot and tittle. I was when I was first saved, I got really interested in the book of the Revelation. And then one day the Lord said, you know, I'm interested in you getting sanctified, son. So let's put down Revelation and start start trying to walk the walk. And uh, But there's great messages in Revelation. It's okay to study all the detail. But there's some big picture items in the book of Revelation and in the apocalyptic message of Jesus and Matthew and Mark. Uh, that are relevant to the times we're living in now. So he's had me in that. And uh, but so recently, my New Testament reading was the book of Acts, and I found myself in Acts chapter 18 and 19 here recently. I always read uh, Acts 18:24 with chapter 19 because they fit together, and that's my message, uh, my scripture this morning is Acts. 18 verse 24 through uh, 19 at uh, verse 7. Praise God. And uh, the prophetic power of prayer. And we'll connect it with some stuff from 2 Kings. So here we go. Uh, Acts 19 verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. I will have to say that uh, when I first got saved and a Methodist pastor prayed over me and my friend John Miles, we both received a teaching gift clearly. And uh, in the course of years, as we continued to study and go to Bible studies and help facilitate them, we both became, I would, I think it would be honest to acknowledge from a human perspective, mighty in the scriptures. You know, we knew the scriptures, uh, and uh, could teach them, and God could put that together. People seemed to be blessed by it. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately, verse 25, speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. I will say, God has a plan for each of our lives, and one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me is Luke 7:30 that says the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized in the baptism of John. God, God has a foreordained plan for everyone. He desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But everyone won't because he gives us, he created real choice. And uh, he says that he sets uh, 
blessing and cursing before us, uh, life and death. Choose life. That's what he says in the book of Deuteronomy. It says in Ezekiel that God doesn't desire the death of any man that dies. Therefore, choose life. Uh, he says that he desires all men to be saved in the New Testament and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, here, this man is acquainted only with the baptism of John, but he's a follower of Jesus. He's fervent in spirit, teaching the word accurately. In verse 26, And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. My sense is Priscilla and Aquila were very gentle. I've had some people come alongside me and explain the word of God more accurately in the course of time. And I picked up on it. I think particularly Priscilla and Aquila shared something specific with him that I'll share in a minute. And when he, Apollos, wanted to go across to Achaia, that's a, a region uh, in Greece, uh, we might say wanted to go to Georgia, wanted to go to Texas, he wanted to go to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to wel- welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who, who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating from the Scriptures, that's the Old Testament, that Jesus was the Christ. And that was a big part of my early ministry. Like Apollos, those messianic prophecies from the Old Covenant, uh, God began to reveal them to me, and I often taught them to other people and seemed to have a real gift for that. And I thought that was the extent of my ministry. So, uh, you know, Achaia, the city of Corinth, was contained in Achaia. Do remember that these chapter breaks are helpful for references, but they're not really... In the original Bible, again, I believe God moved on the heart of the monk that put it in there because it helps us. But that doesn't mean we necessarily should stop just because I got to the end of chapter 18 of Acts and I'm reading a chapter a day and that sort of thought process. Ask the Holy Spirit, should I keep reading? Sometimes uh, God's rabbit trails are the main trail. And if you stick to the lectionary, you'll miss the whole flow of the day. I want to hear from the Lord. Through His Word, I want to hear His voice speaking to me. Praise God. And so, uh, that's what I ask. God, I want to hear Your voice. I want a confirming Word. And so, chapter 19, the same thought is flowing. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He'd been to Ephesus, I believe, before. But he came to Ephesus, found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, that's a weird question. Uh, theologically, from some people's perspective this day, uh, if you're born of the Spirit, you've got the Spirit. But if you look at Acts chapter 8, you have the Samaritans who believed the Word of God, Philip preaching the Word of God, seeing the signs and wonders. Uh, they believed the Word of God and they were baptized. But then Peter and John kept, came down and laid hands on them because they'd not yet received the Holy Spirit. Well, if they're believers, they've been baptized, they're born of the Spirit, but they have not received that outpouring of the Spirit to empower for service. And that's why you can be a Christian who hadn't gotten out of the pew for a long time because you're born again, but you have not received the anointing from the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives that anointing. Praise God. The Father gives that anointing. The Holy Spirit baptizes you in the body of Christ. You're born again of His Spirit. But then 
Oh, praise God, the Father and Jesus anoint you for ministry and calling and power. Amen. That's what these uh, what was lacking in Ephesus. And uh, Paul could see it somehow. He otherwise wouldn't have asked the question probably. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He could see that there's something seemed to be lacking. Uh, good, solid Christian folk walking in repentance, but something's lacking. They believed. And he said, uh, and they said, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit, Acts 19.2. And when he said, and he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. There's the baptism of repentance. Oh, we've got to receive that uh, spirit of repentance to start trying to walk in the ways of the Lord. There is no other salvation. You can't go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, according to Hebrews. We've got to start endeavoring to walk with him He's the good shepherd. I want to hold his hand and walk with him. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. But I'm heading that way. I'm not walking back to the past. I'm heading to the Father's house. How about you? And so we all can trip up. We can drift off to the side of the road. We encourage one. But we're heading that way. I'm not heading back that way anymore. Don't you see it? I'm walking that way. Won't you walk with me? And we'll encourage one another. I'm walking in the light as best I know how. I'm not walking in darkness anymore. Praise God for that. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. I have a Bible I'm enjoying. And uh, when you read about Acts chapter 2 and the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and how the disciples gathered there, about 150 people, and the Spirit fell on them, and everyone began praying in tongues. The footnote says, well, that was probably just the 12 apostles, and there's no evidence that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and everyone else was speaking in tongues too. And that's one of those theological blinders we can put on. Are you telling me that these 12 nobodies in Ephesus could speak in tongues, but Mary couldn't? That doesn't make any sense at all. And in fact, you can see, no, they all did. That was Paul's message to the Corinthians. If a stranger comes in, someone who's uninitiated, and everyone speaks in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy. So don't do that. So they could all speak in tongues. Paul was writing in Corinth to a church where everyone could speak in tongues. It's an important part of our prayer life if we're to pray without ceasing to pray at all times in the Spirit, you can't really do that without praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit is praying in tongues. Letting the Spirit pray through you in your private time. Amen. And so, these twelve all received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they could immediately speak with tongues, pray in tongues. Paul talks about singing in tongues, which I do a lot, and prophesying. It's just a melody in your heart, praise God. Praying mysteries to God. Paul said, when you pray in the Spirit, uh, your spirit prays, but your mind's unfruitful. You don't, you don't understand, but you're praying mysteries in your spirit. Paul said he prayed in tongues more than everybody, anybody at Corinth. But in the church, uh, he spoke understandable words most of the time. Uh, and that was the focus of that letter. Don't let it confuse you like it confused me for a lot of years. In verse 8, there were in all about 12 men. So just like John and Peter, he could discern that these guys lacked the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I love ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit to others. This is not a question about, 
whether you're a good Christian and I'm a better Christian or anything like that, uh, is a question of you fulfilling everything God has for you. And I will say, learning, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receiving that ministry anointing, and learning to pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, speak in the Spirit, has transformed my life, my wife's life, our children's lives, and has brought such fruitfulness. Uh, this is just as easy as getting saved. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's by hearing with faith. Praise God. You just decide these people are going to lay their hands on me and I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I am going to receive this gift of a heavenly prayer language. When I'm in my own prayer closet, I'll be able to pray in the Spirit. And a very few of us, usually prophets, get asked to also speak a message in tongues to a gathered crowd sometimes that is uh, used some but it's not the main thing going on in the church that was Paul's whole point hallelujah well so what's the outcome of this kind of anointing well if you want to see if you go back to 2nd Kings chapter 4 Elijah and Elisha had this anointing most people did not now I, I have no evidence that these guys prayed in tongues or not. I have no idea. Nothing in the Bible says that Elijah or Elisha uh, prayed in tongues. But the anointing that is now available to everyone is the fulfillment of what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God would pour forth the Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Glory to God. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my bond slaves. I'll pour even on your bond slaves. I'll pour forth my spirit, and you shall prophesy. There's a tremendous anointing that's available to the whole church, and so we can walk in the nature of Elijah and Elisha, and we can walk in the nature of the apostles because he's poured forth his spirit on all of us as the body of Christ in these days works. And so let me share from Second Kings chapter four how this anointing works and uh, how we're to use it. Now a certain woman, this is Second Kings chapter 4, now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, praise God, Elisha means God is my salvation. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Let me say, the morning I read Acts 19 was March 14th, 2022. And that morning, uh, Pastor Frank Appel sent me a word. He sends me a word most days as he does with others. And what he sent me was Acts 19, 2 through 6. I literally just read it. And I pulled up Frank's email. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And it's the whole story of the Ephesian disciples, the 12 of them receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just read it. I literally I texted, I emailed Frank back and said, I just read that. And that's happened uh, a number of times with Frank's emails to me. When that happens, God's confirming His Word. In these days, we need to be in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit in these desperate days. Elijah said to her, uh, What shall I do? Your servant, well, verse 1 of chapter 4, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself and for all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. 
and you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. Hallelujah. So God is our provider, isn't He? Now the oil and the vessels, we know from the New Covenant perspective and the Old Covenant perspective, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And here is someone who's received all the fullness and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And does it connect with God's provision? Does He fill our nets with fish? Does He fill our cups to overflowing to meet our needs? Absolutely. Both in ministry and personal needs, you can count on it. I pray, Third John 2, I pray in all respects, brethren, that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Praise God for that. I know a man, I was with him on Zoom last night, who's uh, been under general anesthesia 70 times in his life, nearly died on the oper- operating table once, and today he was able to declare last night he's totally pain-free. He has seen God's healing come upon him numerous times. I wonder if he just does it for him or all of us. He does it for all of us. Uh, by Jesus' stripes, we're healed and made whole. Glory to God. So here's uh, an old covenant prophetic picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Chapter, uh, and so understand, that's the intercessory prayer. This lady cried to the Lord through the prophet Elisha and said, uh, I have this need. I'm in debt. My husband's died. That's prayer. And the intercessor, the one anointed with the Holy Ghost, came and ministered the fullness, and interceded for her in action, thought, word, deed, prayer. That's what we're called to do, to stand in the gap, to stand in the breach, as Jesus did for us. That's why He anoints us, so we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit so others can fulfill their calling. And then, uh, verse 8, Now then, there came a day when Elisha passed over to Shunem, and there was a prominent woman, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he turned and there to eat food. And so she set a little place for him, an upper room where he could stay. And uh, one day, uh, Elisha said to his servant Gehazi, call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. Now, he, she, she had really blessed his life, and he wanted to minister back to her. Elisha did. And he said to him, say now to her, behold, you have been careful for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Would you be spoken of? to the king or to the captain of the army? And she answered, I live among my own people. I don't need you know, government favor. I'm good. So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Truly, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, At this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. The woman conceived and bore a son, at that season the next year, as Elisha had said to her, praise God for that. Every time I look at a clock, I see certain dates. 616, that's my anniversary date. That's my daughter Jane's birthday. And when I see that, I see the unity of God in my life, His calling in my life. And I can absolutely connect with what Elisha was doing in this lady's life. Praise God. He. This is how God works. And so... Uh, when the child was grown, that is, uh, beyond being an infant, I think, he's still a kid, the day came that he went out to his fathers to the reapers. This is verse 18. He said, 
to his father, my head, my head. I don't know, what, what did he have? Did he, did he have a concussion? Did he, did he have some sort of uh, broken vessel? Uh, we don't know. My head, my head. He had a bad headache. And carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. Are you kidding? All the miraculous promises of God died. Just like when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, the child of promise. Verse 21. I was reading this some mornings ago. You know, uh, I'm getting near the end of... I just finished Second Kings, so a couple weeks ago. I was reading this. I don't generally... Cry, uh, you know, when I hear something sad. That's why I get asked to speak at funerals. I'm one of those people that, even when it's close relatives, I don't seem to be overcome with tears when I'm speaking. But I do cry when I'm confronted with something heroic. Uh, that's something, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And in reading this passage coming up, I was overcome with tears here a couple weeks ago in my devotional time. Verse 21, she went up and laid him, the child, on the bed of the man of God. She identified her child who had died with the man of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, this is a prayer. Can you see it? It's a prayer in action. And she shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return. He said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It will be well. That's faith. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she went and came to the man of God, Elisha, to Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, a servant, Behold, there's the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Picture, this is the Father and Jesus. Uh, you know, Elisha and Elijah are a picture of Jesus on earth. And here's the concern, the sense in the prophet that there's something amiss here. He sees the need. Pastor Rick is always uh, trying to get us to see that need, to minister to the deep need. And when she came to the man of God, this is prayer pouring out her heart, her heart to God. I encourage you to let loose in your private prayer closet and Pour out your heart to God, whatever the need is. There's nothing that brings breakthrough greater than this. See this as a prayer, not just a story in the Old Covenant. When she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught hold of his feet. Oh, I think of Mary Magdalene in the garden, don't you? Uh, The resurrected Jesus. And Gehazi came near to push her. What an act of prayer. I see that now. I see it just now. Mary Magdalene clinging to the feet of Jesus. If I could just take hold of his garment. Like the woman with the issue of blood, I'll be whole. And Gehazi came near to push her away, but the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is troubled. It actually literally says bitter within her. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Usually he would see these things. It was hidden from him for some reason. Then she said, Did I ask for a son for my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Oh, Lord. And the the, the tears come. Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up your loins and take my staff. Picture Gehazi as an angel, okay, a servant of the Lord. As the Lord Jesus hears our prayer, gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, do not salute him. And if anyone salutes you, do not answer him and lay my staff on the lad's face. The mother of the lad said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. 
Then Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the lad's face, but there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet him and told them, The lad is not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. Glory to God, much like what Peter did when he raised Tabitha from the dead. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad, lad sneezed seven times. And the lad opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she came into him, he said, Take up your son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. And she took up her son and went out. Glory to God in the highest. Can our prayers have this power? Yes, they can. This is what was prophesied by Joel in the last days we would all prophesy. We'd all be anointed with the Holy Spirit. So I, I beg you, if you've not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, as I read in Acts 19, that's why when I read that verse as my de- regular devotional reading, I'd read chapter 17 the day before, read 18 and 19, they go together for me, and read them. And then Pastor Frank, I looked at his email that he sends in the middle of the night, and there it was, Acts 19. 1 through 7, the very thing, 2 through 7, that I just read. And I heard the Spirit of God saying, in these days I need my whole church receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit for power to serve and minister. I need my whole church praying in the Spirit. This is not a matter of understanding. There are mysteries in the heavenlies. I don't know how to deal with the Russia-Ukraine. I don't know how to deal with a lot of things, but God knows He has the breakthrough. And as you pray in the Spirit... He reveals it, praise God. Let me close with this. I had an amazing dream the other day. I have a fair amount of dreams I used to not before I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had a few, but once I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God's given me wonderful prophetic dreams. It was a good dream. I asked at night that God would speak to me in visions and dreams, give me pleasant dreams, but that I not be deceived by any dreams. You can get deceived by them. And uh, that I'd remember them when He wants me to remember them. Very pleasant dream. Me and my family were on some sort of journey. It was a good dream. It was a toilsome journey, but a good journey. And we got to our destination. It was evening. I was tired, sat down, and the baggage is still in the car. Who can relate to that? We all can. Too tired to go get it. And suddenly my dad, and many of you know my dad had a miraculous salvation story four days before he died at the age of 95. I won't share it all today, but a miraculous healing and amazing thing. And he was a very youthful guy. He made it till 95. And he came in this dream. He's about 65. And I will tell you, even at age 75, he walked across the Brooklyn Bridge with me in real life. And he was very vibrant, very excited, um, very energetic, as my dad was, enthusiastic. And he said, here, son, let me get the bags for you. And he went in and out and got the bags and brought them in. And then I woke up, and it was morning. This is just only a couple of weeks ago. And I wrote the dream down told Susan. And uh, it was a great encouragement. My dad really was saved. I had no real doubt about that. It's a miraculous story that I've told many times and continue to tell. Uh, but it's great to get an assurance. I took it as an assurance. My dad's saved. Amen. And he's vibrant. He's youthful. But oh, the, 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 the dream meant something prophetically. You know, I, I heard the Lord saying, my dad represents our Heavenly Father. 
in the dream. And our Father knows that some days this journey down here is toilsome. I mean, it's tough. It wears you out. There's a lot of opposition from the evil one, but it's opposition God knows all about. And uh, But He comes. God is enthusiastically energetic about our lives and our ministries. Did you hear that? He's enthusiastically energetic in supporting us, even when it doesn't feel like it. He's in the toil. He's doing something through all the opposition in us and the people of God. And He comes in and He's carrying the baggage. He will help us. He will lift it up. His Spirit is helping us. And I tell you, it gave me a new vision of the Father and the love of the Father for me. I had a very good dad. He loved me as best he knew. Uh, He was born in 1916. His own father had been really strict. He was pretty strict. But God just healed a lot of that during his salvation journey. But this just gave me a new revelation of the love of the Father for me. I can just see my dad's smiling face and see the Father's good pleasure as we seek to serve Him. He knows we're imperfect. And as we try to figure out ministry details, I'm looking at Pastor Rick's prayer board, all the ministry details and all the needs. He's for us. Kenny, He's for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are for us. You're our good, good Father. And we pray, God, that anyone in the earshot of these words has not received the empowering of Your Holy Spirit. God, that they would yield to it right now and say, yes, stretch out their hands and say, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that they would yield their tongue and their mind and say, God, give me this prayer language from heaven that I can pray Your perfect will into my life and that of my friends and family. In Jesus' name, Amen.